0: episode that's Saturday the 14th. We're just kitten around. <laughs> and let me tell you, we have got a lot of these puns coming your way today, so buckle in. I really hope so. I feel like I don't know how many more I can make, but Some that's will true. I mind. might be setting us up. You might be like going to burn out soon because you've run through all of your cat Chances puns.
1: are half of our listeners have already turned off this episode.
0: <laughs> but With c- the meow. They were like, nope. <laughs> we're you're not going like, to do We're that. listening <laughs> to the wrong podcast here. <laughs> no, but in case you couldn't tell, we're here to talk to you about... Cat people! I honestly would not be surprised if some people couldn't tell, because I don't know how many people actually still are really aware of this movie. Um, I actually didn't know anything about it. Yeah, I, um, wasn't super familiar with it, although it it ends up on a lot of those, like, must-see horror, or, like, highly recommended, like, older horror, uh, lists. I was 100% convinced that this was a French movie. Um, well, I mean, the star is French and the director is French, so it so definitely has a French influence. I think that's how I got that impression,
1: as I probably looked it up and saw the director's name, the star's name, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, this is a French movie. Yeah,
0: it's, uh, it's actually an RKO movie, though. It's, uh, produced by Val Luton, who was the head of RKO's horror department at that point in time.
1: And let me tell you all two things. First, this is not a French movie. Nope. Second, it's actually really good.
0: It is. It's not scary in the sort of stereotypical modern sense that like of what we think of horror. There's some really good tense scenes in it.
1: Yeah, I think for the nineteen forties, this is probably a pretty good horror movie.
0: Yeah. And um I think it's important to kinda go back and look at older stuff and see, you know, where we came from, where this scary stuff started. I mean, other than this, I think the oldest we've seen
1: is Bride of Frankenstein. Yes. Which I would say this is scarier.
0: Yeah I definitely think that this is scarier. That one has
1: more of a macabre feel but this one has actually like kind of tense scenes where like someone's trying to attack someone.
0: Yeah it feels a little bit more um, thought out you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah with that do you
1: want to get us started here Max?
0: I absolutely do. So like we said, uh, the title of this movie is Cat People. And I did mention as well that it is an RKO film. Uh, it came out in 1942. It was directed by... Jacques Tournaire. Thank you. Uh, it was produced by Val Luton, And I know a lot of times we don't talk about who produces movies. Um, but like I said, he was the head of the RKO horror department when this movie was made. This was his first movie as the head of that department. Um, and he kind of has almost like a producer auteur thing going on um he worked with uh Jacques Tourneur did I say that right Jacques Tourneur Um, a lot and at that point in time producers were I think maybe even more important than they are now I think we still see that with people like um Jason Blum at Blumhouse um so that's still around but he was definitely one of the earlier sort of major horror producers and I think it's important that we
1: acknowledge him no I think that's great and then the stars uh Simone Simon
0: Which is a great name. It is.
1: Kent Smith, Jane Randolph, and Tom Conway.
0: Yeah, and so one of the rules for RKO's um, horror department under Val Lewton was that there was a certain budget that they could not exceed for any of his movies, which was $150,000. This one actually came in even lower than that at $134,000. Yeah, so
1: to put that in perspective, that's about $2 million today.
0: Which is still pretty modest. It is,
1: yeah. Like, we've seen movies made for really little. I think, like, Paranormal Activity was made for 50000 or something stupid like that. But this
0: was a studio film. This was coming from RKO, which was a smaller studio at the time, but still, like, a legit studio. And
1: good talent, a well-known producer. Yeah. Like, makes a lot of sense at this.
0: Right. I don't actually know how well known Val Luton would have been at this point in time because I know he did some writing and stuff like that prior to, but I think this was his first movie as a producer. Ooh,
1: okay, so not a well known producer, not but one who is about to go out and become well known.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this was technically a B movie, so um, you know, I think the the meaning of that has kind of been lost in um, modern parlance because we don't still have like the double pictures as the regular way to do things. But this would have been paired with a movie that they thought was going to have like more of a draw it would have had a higher budget
1: if i remember correctly you have a great rant on b movies in our episode on get out
0: probably yeah i really hate it when people describe movies that are like cult hits as b movies because like unless it was released during i'm sorry i'm not gonna do this all (laughs) again (laughs) it does mean a specific thing and this was literally a b movie um and in spite Uh, of the fact that a B movie a b movie it was the b movie with uh, Jerry Seinfeld? Starring Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in spite of its modest beginnings, uh, it did actually end up accruing $8 million at the box office. And I don't actually know if that's adjusted for inflation. The Since the budget isn't, I kind of think that it probably isn't. Um, but I don't know over what period of time that would have been.
1: Even if it is inflated, that's still a four-time return. So
0: That's true, yeah.
1: Either way, it's really successful, but chances are this number was not, so.
0: Yeah, so it did well, and like we said, it's kind of turned into a classic.
1: And it earned eight more dollars because we both rented it on Amazon.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you have to rent it. You can't just uh, watch it. No, but worth it, actually. Yeah, honestly. I think so, and I was pleased to see that it was even on Amazon because I have a lot of trouble finding older movies um, on Amazon. Um, We start the movie off at the Central Park Zoo in New York City. Um, where we see uh, Irena Dubrovna, who is played by Simone Simon Simon. Simon
1: Simon Simon. God. It's fine. I took six, four, six years of, somewhere
0: between four and six years of French specifically so I could pronounce names on this podcast and for no other reason. This is the trade-off for when I knew how to say things in Goodnight Mommy because I'm just going to mangle everything. <laughs> <year. laughs> Um, So we see Irena, who is in this movie um, Serbian-born, and she's a fashion illustrator, and she's sort of sketching pictures of this black panther.
1: Yeah, she's hanging out at the zoo and just, like, sitting in the corner, and she doesn't like what she draws, so she, like, balls it up and throws it towards the
0: trash can and completely misses. And so this generically handsome 1940s man picks it up. Oliver Reed. Oliver Reed. And he picks it up, and he points... Very, like, sassily. Yeah, at this sign that's like, don't let anyone say, I don't know, it's a, it's a poem, I don't remember, it's like a rhyming sign, but it's basically like, don't let her, don't but make things uglier than Written you in a really fancy her. way. And he's like, ooh, look at that, and she's like, Hoo-hoo.
1: And so he uh brings it with him and comes over and strikes up a conversation, or maybe yeah. he throws it in the trash, I don't know.
0: Yeah. And so they start to talk, and they obviously kind of, like, get along and like each other, so she invites him over for tea, cause she's like, well, it's great, because they're
1: walking together Mm -hmm. and he's like can i get your phone number and she's like no and he's like well i was gonna ask you for tea how am i gonna ask you for tea and they get to her apartment and she's like well why don't you just come up for tea right now
0: and he's like yep (laughs) ow 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 ow, and she's very beautiful meow 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 oh god
1: (laughs) oh this is gonna be miserable i'm sorry oh boy
0: so he's like, hell yes. And they go up and they hang out they end up talking for like a really long time. It gets
1: dark and they're just hanging out in the dark together. Yeah. Because that's kind of normal.
0: Because she talks about how like she has all these friends because she's relatively new to New York. She has like people that she knows through work and in the building, but she doesn't really have any people who are just friends, you know, just well, her friends.
1: Well, he has no desire to stay just friends. No,
0: which is a little sad. But um,
1: they drink tea and. Oliver sees the statue of, like, a medieval warrior on horseback, and he's, like, impaling a large cat. And he asks about it. And so Nreena and tells him that it's a figure of King John of Serbia and that the cat represents evil, because according to legend, long ago, the Christian residents of uh, where she is from in Serbia, um, they kind of went towards witchcraft and became corrupt and evil. Yeah,
0: they were, like, enslaved and... They got corrupted and all of this and that. And and so this guy, um, King John, eventually drove their enslavers out and saw what had happened. And he was like, basically, he had all of them killed. The people who had, like, descended into witchcraft and stuff like that, he had them murdered.
1: But, like, the wisest and the smartest escaped to the mountains.
0: Yeah. And I guess still live there I like that part's a little unclear she's also very pro king john despite the fact that he straight up murdered a bunch of people in her home village yeah which is a little strange to me but she seems like she's very concerned with not being evil like the people who were driven out
1: yeah she's super superstitious
0: yeah, and he's like, oh, whatever, that's no big deal. Oliver's like, who gives a shit? That's a funny old joke story from your stupid old country. <laughs> <laughs> Here in America, we don't have superstitions.
1: We don't have giant cultures. We don't have cultural
0: histories. We don't stab cats. <laughs> um, so they kind of, like, hit off a little thing, and Oliver buys her a kitten,
1: well, first she invites him back for dinner the next night.
0: Right, because at first he's like, I guess I couldn't bring you out to dinner tonight. And she's like, no, you already had tea. Oh, he said, boys who stay for tea aren't invited to stay for dinner. And she's like, yep. She's like, yeah, get out of my house. And he's like, tomorrow night? And she's like, all right, sure.
1: Yeah, so he's going to come back over to her really nice apartment, by the Dude, way. Dude, it's huge. Like, Arena is a young career woman who has a huge, beautiful New York City apartment who turns into a cat. She doesn't
0: need this bullshit man. She
1: doesn't, and I love her, and I want to be her. Ugh, she's incredible. But anyway, yeah, the next day, Oliver buys her a kitten. It's a really cute little Siamese kitten. It does not like her. It does not, no. Um... He brings it to work with him, and we meet, like, his coworker Alice. And she's like, who's this for? Did you meet someone? He's like, yes, I did. And she's like, well, if you like her, I'll like her. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, he brings it to meet Arena, and it, like, starts hissing at her. It's really upset. And she says, like, cats just don't like her.
0: Yeah, she's like, well, that's fine, though. Like, we'll take it to the pet shop. We'll return it. We'll get something else that, like, will not hate me. And he's like, okay, cool. So they go to this pet shop, and the second that they go inside... Every single animal freaks the fuck out.
1: Yeah, like the cats start hissing, freaking out. The birds are, like, making lots of bird noises. Just no animal is happy in this pet shop. And so Oliver's trying to ask the shopkeeper if they can exchange the kitten for a bird... And the shopkeeper's like, I can't hear you. So they go outside. And as soon as they go outside, it like chills out and they're not upset anymore.
0: Yeah. And the shopkeeper's like, this happens sometimes. Sometimes people just, they don't like certain people. They're kind of psychic or whatever. She said the
1: last time this actually happened was when a stray tomcat got in and killed a bird.
0: True. So. Who's the stray cat? That's a weird thing to have happen on a date. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, but despite this, um, they're able to exchange the little kitten for a little canary.
0: Yeah, and he brings it out to her, and she's like, oh, it's so nice, and she takes it back to her apartment, and then she tells him this uh, weird story, because he tries to kiss her. Yeah. Which is understandable, you know. You've They've been hanging all out. You dinner, you buy her a bird, you're like, maybe she likes me. Um and she does like him but she won't kiss him because she says that she's descended from the people who ended up in the mountains in her village the
1: mountains <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well they're they're oh, cat people God. mountains they are they are the mountains So she's descended from the mountain people and she says that Because of this curse that's on her hometown, if she ever kisses someone or is aroused to passion in any way, she'll turn into a cat and she'll maul the person to death. Yeah. And I gotta be honest with you, like, this woman is very pretty. But if I was on a date with someone, and I don't care how attractive, like, any level of attractive, right? If I was out with someone and, like, I went in for the kiss and they were like, I can't kiss you... Because if I kiss you, I will turn into a panther and claw you to death. I'd be like, you know, I'm just really busy with work right now. <laughs> and I just, I don't know that another person in my life is good for me right now. But he's like, let's get married.
1: I feel like Oliver makes a lot of bad decisions. He makes
0: bad decisions. And then he's like
1: surprised
0: when, when things his don't his decisions go well. don't work out the way he wants them to. Yeah.
1: From the very first scene in the movie, I was rooting for Arena to eat Oliver. I'm really disappointed that she doesn't. Eat him. Yeah,
0: like, okay, so we're gonna, I'm gonna jump forward for like a second just because it's relative to this and we'll get into the details of it later. They get married and like she tells him outright, like, I can't have sex. I mean, she doesn't say that like because it's 1942, but she's like, I can't kiss and I can't feel passion because of this thing. And then they get married and he's like, Why doesn't my wife want to kiss me? It's like she literally told you that before you proposed to her.
1: Yeah. Like, She's just too pretty in that little French accent that they pretend is a Serbian
0: accent. I mean, she's really cute, but, like, it's obviously going to be a look-don't-touch relationship. And he, at first, is like, we'll get through it together. And then, like, a week after they get married, is like, why won't you let me have sex with you? Yeah. Because she thinks she's going to turn into a fucking cat. (laughs) Come on.
1: And, like, even if you don't believe her,
0: can you at least believe that she believes that? Right. And then just being married to you is not, like, going to cure it. And on the other hand, I don't really know why she marries him. She likes him, too. She does like him, but... No, she was too good for him. She was. I just, I don't understand, like, why... I guess at first he's like, that's fine. It's okay. And she's like, probably like, okay, cool. Like, other guys might not be cool with me not wanting to kiss you. but who is
1: very handsome, has a good career of his own. That's true. And they like each other. He sassily points at littering signs to shame people. Sure. Um... He accepts her for who she is.
0: Well, she thinks so.
1: Well, she thinks that. He turns out not to. But, like, yeah. he's telling her that he does. So they get married. Yeah. Um, he proposes to her on this day, too. Yeah. Which is
0: kind of weird, weird but it's fine. They have not known each other very long. No. This is, like, a thing, I think. that Like, people used to get engaged really quickly.
1: Um, Paul and I were actually talking about this while we watched it. Apparently his grandparents got either married or engaged within a week of knowing each other. Um, my grandparents on my dad's side from what I understand got married within two weeks of knowing each other.
0: But By the time Tim and I got engaged we had been dating for four years living together for three years we had a dog together and a car together. It's not 1940s anymore. And I know that I don't turn into a cat if I kiss him so (gasps) I really did my research (laughs) and we're good we're in the clear we can get married. Good. And I won't maul him to death, probably. Maul read. I don't know. That we'll work. get meow read. <laughs> Perfect.
1: No, um, to be fair, my grandparents on my dad's side, I think part of it was like a U.S. green card type situation because she was from Poland and had escaped World War II to, to Canada.
0: All right. I mean, that's... And then
1: he was from the U.S. And I think they got married so she could like come to the U.S. And they ended up together for a long time and well, we're, seemed nice. very happy. Yeah. So... Good times.
0: Also, but- I think there's a lot of stuff that you weren't technically supposed to do before marriage that a lot of people were like, let's get this over with. so that Very we Very good point. Um, which is probably what Oliver was thinking about. I think that's what he wants to have happen. And you know.
1: And you know what? They get married.
0: They do. And they have this reception at this um, restaurant. And like... Honestly, other people are kind of talking shit about her a little bit during it. They're like, "Oh, she's kind of odd and stuff like that." And she is sort of, but I think that they mean it in a racist way because she's not from the U.S.
1: Let her live her best cat life,
0: right? And this woman is eating dinner in the restaurant as well, and she people comment on like the fact that she looks cat-like.
1: She has like a cat eye, like eyeliner.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. She and then she's like, wearing like all black. I guess she has sort of like feline eyes. I don't know. She's like, kind of slinky, eyes, sort of. But she gets up and she's. Walking by the table, she looks at Um. Irina, and she calls her Moisestra, which apparently in Serbian, or I'm not sure if that's the name of the language that they would speak, but means my sister.
1: Yeah, and she's definitely,
0: like, a little unnerved by this. Yeah. And so uh, the next day, she
1: goes to visit her BFF the panther at the zoo, because um, Irina lives really close by to the zoo and goes, like, all the time.
0: Yeah, and so she meets this zookeeper who's like, this panther's the worst. <laughs> it's <laughs> so evil. And she's like, oh, I don't know. And she seems like she kind of takes it a little bit personally. And she goes back to uh, her apartment. So she goes to play with her bird. And she puts her hand in. And it starts chirping and you know making noise. Yeah, trying to get away from her. Yeah, and then she puts her hand in and it just like drops dead. Yeah. And so she takes it out.
1: Seemingly dies of fright.
0: Yeah, and then she goes back to the panther cage and chucks it in there?
1: (laughs) Yeah, she puts it in a nice box first. But yeah, she just chucks this dead bird in a box into the panther cage. It's weird. And then she gets home and starts talking to Oliver because he's home now. And she's like, I don't know why there was this bird and it died. And I just had to throw it in the panther cage. Like, I don't know what came over me, but I just had to do it. And the fact that I had to do it is what scares me. But with a really cute French accent.
0: He's like, okay. And she's like, so we can't consummate our marriage because I'm afraid of turning into a panther. And And then she says, like, I can't
1: do what a wife is supposed to do.
0: Yeah. And then she locks herself in her bedroom. Yep. Seems Um, healthy. And Oliver's like, okay, well, cool. But also, maybe you should go see a psychiatrist because this is really above my pay grade and she's like
1: okay sounds good
0: which I gotta be honest with you props to Oliver because this does not happen very often in horror movies like when your spouse starts talking about how they felt a compulsion to feed their dead bird to a panther at the zoo you should direct them to a psychiatrist or if they think
1: they're a cat maybe he should have told her this when she first said I think I'm a
0: cat yeah and see the problem is that obviously in this situation since it's a horror movie it's not just normal you know run-of-the-mill like schizophrenia or something like that yeah so it's a little bit more complicated but like it's the right move to be like go see a psychiatrist and see why you think you're a cat it is but this psychiatrist is not great i think a major issue in this movie is that none of these americans take her like cultural history into account at all because he's like oh it's all in your head like you had this trauma as a child and now you've imagined being a cat it's like no there's like a legend in her town That's why she believes she's going to be a cat, because people have been telling her she's going to turn into a cat for her whole life.
1: (laughs) And he just, like, thinks she completely came up with this, because he hypnotized her and talked to her for one session. Yeah. It's not even like he was working with her for a couple of months and was able to figure this out. He's like, oh, I hypnotized you. I heard that you're scared. And clearly, it's because of trauma. You're the worst psychiatrist.
0: I mean, yeah. It was also 1942. He's also creepy as fuck. He is very creepy. That is definitely 100% true. But it was sort of early in the days of, like, actual psychiatry. Yeah. So there's that. He's still not good at his job.
1: Well, while Irina's at the psychiatrist, um, Ollie, which he is called later in the movie by everyone, but in the first half he's called Oliver for the most part. Yeah. Um, he confides in his friend Alice um, about the fact that Arena is having issues and is seeing the psychiatrist. And Arena finds that out when she gets home because he mentions, like, oh, I was talking to Alice about this. She's like, why the fuck were you talking to Alice about this? Yeah,
0: which is understandable. I mean, like, if your husband works with, like, this other cute girl and he's just, like, telling her about all of the problems in your marriage, I can see not loving that. I agreed with that. Especially considering the rest of the events of this movie. Yeah. But she's not into it. And he's like, well, I'm just trying to talk to the other girl I know about why you're being so insistent that you're a cat. And she's like, listen... I can't sleep. I'm going to go look at these cats. She goes back and she looks at the cats, right? Yeah, she just leaves to go hang out with the tigers and the panther.
1: Yeah. And she comes home and he's awake because he's so worried about her.
0: And she's like, here's the thing. You can never make me feel guilty or angry because I will turn into a fucking cat and I will murder you. Oh, <laughs> he's man. like, why won't you go to the psychiatrist <laughs> again? What is happening? <laughs> um, so, again, of course, he goes and he talks to Alice and he's like... You know, she stopped going to the, the therapist and she's unhappy. And I've never been unhappy before, so also, I don't know what's going on. Well,
1: who the fuck has never felt unhappy before in their life before, like, their 20s?
0: white men in the 1940s apparently damn she's going through all this shit and he's just like i don't like everything in my life and i feel bad about it
1: and then alice starts like dramatically crying because she says like she hates seeing him unhappy because it makes her so
0: unhappy because she's in love with him she's like girl not the time no not the time so she's like, oh, I love you. And he's like, I don't even know what love is or some weird emo shit like that. And she's like, well, love is just when you want to be with the other person. And it's just the two of you against the world no matter what. And honestly, it's like a nice description of love. Like she it has a really good handle on what love is. Like a very modern and uh, and sort of egalitarian understanding of what love is. I dig
1: it. Honestly, Alice is great if not for the fact that she decides to break up a married couple like
0: yeah, a week I, after their wedding. That's true. They should not be married, though. So they should not like have. So there's a little more of that where it's like... He did make a huge mistake, so maybe it doesn't hurt that she's like, get out of that marriage because your wife thinks she's a cat.
1: So I've been reading a lot of the Am I the Asshole subreddit recently. And I feel like this is a everyone sucks here situation.
0: Yes. Uh, Irena for marrying a man, even though she thinks she's a cat who can never have sex. (laughs) Oliver for marrying a woman who straight up told him she's a cat who can never have sex and then being mad that she won't have sex with him.
1: Alice for not telling Oliver that she's in love with him until like three days after he gets married.
0: Yeah, and also Alice for liking a man who wants to have sex with his cat wife who can't have sex because she's a cat lady.
1: And then the therapist for being really creepy and trying to later uh, assault Arena. He's a bad therapist for sure. He's a really bad therapist. But Anyway, the point is everyone sucks. And in this conversation, Oliver's all like, I don't know if I ever really did love Arena, but she has like a peel that makes him watch her closely and touch her when she's near, but she still feels kind of like a stranger. And he's literally just describing a cat.
0: He's also describing a woman he met two weeks <laughs> ago and then married. Oh my God. Like, she wouldn't feel like a stranger to you if you'd known her for a month.
1: And also, like, he's complaining about how she's like missed her appointments. She has missed exactly one appointment because yeah. it has been such a short period of time.
0: Right. And I mean, I get it. Like, if it's the second ever and like she does have major issues that she from his perspective, needs to resolve.
1: Which, I mean, thinking you're a cat, in the case that you're not actually a cat, like, is a you major issue. Like, you should probably issue. be going
0: to all of them.
1: But in this case, like, it's actually some solid self-awareness.
0: I mean, yeah. Because, spoiler alert, she's a cat. She's can cat. So, because she's missed a session, Irena's therapist is like, what if I just stalk her? And so he follows her to the zoo, where she is, again, hanging out with the cats. I mean, the cats are great. And she's like, here's the thing, though. You can't actually help me because there's nothing wrong with my brain. It's all a problem with my soul. And he's like, you're so wise and amazing for knowing that. Also, though, if you're a therapist and one of your clients or your patients is like, you can't help me because there's nothing wrong with my brain that's making me think I'm going to become a cat. I'm going to become a cat because my ancestors were cursed by King John. You should continue to try to treat that patient. You shouldn't just be like, no, you're right. You are a cat. (laughs) Yeah. Um. And so Oliver, when she goes home, Oliver is like, hey, why have you not been going to the doctor?
1: But then he talks about how he's been confiding in Alice more, which he literally just like the day before had said, like, don't make me jealous, please.
0: And she's like, don't like, what the fuck? She's super mad. He leaves and he's like, he's going to he decides he's going to go to the office Um, where Alice is. Yeah. But when he gets there, he doesn't go in. He decides to go and get dinner instead. And so when Alice decides to leave the office, she, as she's
1: getting ready to leave, gets like a phone call and she answers it, but there's no one on the line. Yeah. So she hangs it up and then she turns to the office cat, because apparently there's an office cat. Who is named John Paul Jones. And that is the best cat name I've ever heard in my life.
0: I don't, they never explain why he's named John Paul Jones. You never see John Paul Jones again. But she's like, can you believe we got another one of those John Paul Jones? John Paul Jones is like, I'm a cat. Leave me out of your stupid human problems. No, I think John Paul Jones is actually
1: cares a lot about her dumb, stupid problems. I mean,
0: he he seems like a good boy. He does. And so she's like, OK, well, I'm going to leave. And on the way out, she sees um, the cleaning lady who Oliver had also run into. And the lady's like, oh, are you looking for Oliver? Like, he's over at that restaurant over there. She's like, OK, I'll go, like, meet up with him and grab a bite.
1: Yeah, so she goes over and, like, joins him for some coffee. And Arena. Was trying to follow them. And she goes to the restaurant and she sees, like, Oliver and Alice just hanging out and, like, sharing some coffee at this restaurant.
0: And it's one of those things where, like, because she's outside, she can't hear their conversation. Which is basically Alice being like, you better go home and figure out why your wife thinks she's a cat. Because you're a married man and you need to attend to that shit. And Oliver being like, I know. I don't love you because I love my wife. And, like... Yeah. Like, there's nothing really romantic about their dinner. But, obviously, she interprets it in, like, the worst way possible.
1: And so... Alice leaves, and she's getting on a bus to go home.
0: Yeah, so she follow We see this really long, tense shot. And this is something that apparently Val Luton kind of um, started, which is... It's called the Luton bus, and it's um, based off of this exact scene, which is we see Alice walking along the street. We see Irena following behind her at a distance. So we know Irena's there. We know Alice is there. And it's this very tense scene. You kind of hear spooky noises and stuff like that.
1: It's also around this point in the movie where Arena, everywhere she
0: goes, she starts wearing a black fur coat. Yes. And it's really cool. It is. It's a great touch. And so Alice knows someone is behind her. She's getting more and more and more nervous, and we're following along this dark, 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 dark street, and all of a sudden we hear this hiss. And what the hiss actually is is a bus pulling up. And so that's where the term comes from. It's the Luton bus. It's when, in a scene, the tension builds, and then something that is not scary or bad or threatening sort of interrupts and breaks the tension, but in a way that makes you think that something bad has happened. It's like in Amityville no horror where he's looking out the window and the cat screams and like jumps in the window, which I think is appropriate because it's a cat. Yeah. A lot of times it's a cat actually.
1: There's a lot of cat screaming jumping in movies that does this. Yeah.
0: So that's I think that's so cool is that like it's a super, super early jump scare and it's a super early like kind of joke on a jump scare you know i like it i like it too so she gets on the bus and she's like i need to get the fuck out of here
1: (laughs) but soon after somewhere nearby where she got on the bus this groundskeeper discovers several freshly killed
0: sheep yeah and there are paw prints leading away from them and then they slowly turn into the imprints of a woman's shoes
1: yeah so it's like the kind of triangle the front part like the little heel
0: yeah it's very well done so then we see Irina go home, and she's all messed up looking. She looks super tired, and she's sort of a mess. And she goes into the bathtub, and she's just like sobbing and scrubbing herself.
1: Yeah, and then she goes to sleep. I'm pretty sure she, like, locks the door because I think Oliver's, like, trying to talk
0: to her or something like that. Yeah, their marriage is not in a great place.
1: It is not. Um, Then she has these weird dreams where her psychiatrist is dressed up as King John, and he's, like, talking about a key and all this other stuff. And when she'd seen the zookeeper previously and had the conversation with him and where he said, like, all panthers are evil or whatever, um, the reason why she was talking to him is he had left the key in the cage. right. And brought it to him and her psychiatrist and be like, oh, you have great uh, self-control. And she's like, well, why what the fuck do I want a key? And mm-hmm. now she's dreaming of him telling her that, like, go get this key.
0: And so she goes and she steals the key to the panther's cage. Yep. Um, and then, for some reason, Oliver is bad at being a husband.
1: Oliver's bad at being a person. <laughs>
0: He's very bad at being married. Because he, he decides to take Irena and Alice to a museum together. Which is kind of a nice idea if... Your wife is very jealous of your relationship with a friend. Spend time together so that she can see that it's not a bad, you know, that it's not a relationship she needs to feel jealous of. But
1: then they basically send her away because they're like, oh, well, you're not interested in this. Go meet us in the gift shop.
0: Yeah, like, he's very dismissive of her and he's very like, oh, I'll go hang out with my real friend and ignore my stupid lame wife.
1: And then Ollie and Alice, like, they go over and they look at this picture of a ship and they're like, can you believe it was this kind of fancy ass sail? That's amazing. Ha ha ha. And she's, like,
0: looking at the bow of a little model of a ship because it has, I think, a cat on it. Oh, I missed that. I think I think that's what it was. She's, like, looking closely at things, and she's obviously actually interested in some of the stuff, but they're like, you won't even like this. Go somewhere else.
1: Yeah. Like, she's
0: an artist. She's a fashion artist. <laughs> Why would she not be interested in an art museum? So
1: she, like, kind of disappears and leaves. And that evening, Alice decides to go back to her apartment. She really wants to go for a swim in her apartment.
0: Yeah. She has a nice apartment building. She has a really nice apartment building. Really cool. I'm jealous so, of all these New York City apartments. No, if it makes you feel any better, there's sound stages in Hollywood.
1: Mm, it makes me feel a little bit better, but not much, because yeah. I would still go live in that sound stage in
0: Hollywood. I've been in probably the exact same sound stages that they shot this in because hey. RKO, RKO, is now part of the Paramount lot.
1: That's awesome. Yeah,
0: so well, they're not that impressive. They're all very drafty. And very okay,
1: <laughs> I'll take it, but. Alice goes down into the basement to go swimming. Yeah. And, um... But first, Arena comes into the apartment lobby, and she's like, oh, is Alice here? And they're like, oh, yeah, she's downstairs swimming. So Arena goes downstairs, and then that's when Alice starts seeing these shadows and hearing this growling. And she freaks out.
0: She does, and she just starts screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming.
1: But she first, so she's, like, not in the pool yet. She runs and jumps in the pool and is, like, treading water in the middle of the pool to get away from whatever it is. Yeah. Which, considering it's a cat, is not a bad move. That's true. She's probably safe there. Except the bigger the cat, the more they like water. Wow. Cat fact, number one. (laughs)
0: So she starts screaming, and the woman who works the front desk comes down. She's like, what is happening? Are you okay? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought, like, I saw a shadow. And Irina's there. Like, they catch Irina there. Irina,
1: like, came in and turned on the light. Yeah. I think she says, like, I was looking for my husband. I was curious if you knew where he is. Oh, yeah. Which is like, like he's probably at home. Maybe you should go check there.
0: I got to say, though, in terms of, like, ways to call people out on hitting on your husband, showing up to their apartment building and in front of someone else being like, do you know where my husband is? I thought he might be here at your apartment complex. Is like kind of a, a good move. You know, everyone knows what that means.
1: But then, uh, Arena leaves and Alice asks the front desk woman, like, Hey, can you grab my robe for me? So she goes to grab it, but it's completely torn to shreds. Yeah. Hoo
0: hoo. Ho ho ho. So Arena has another appointment with Dr. Judd and she comes home and she tells Oliver that she's not afraid anymore and everything's good.
1: And she's ready to have sex with him. She's ready to kiss him and do all these things. But Oliver's like, Oops, too late. I'm in love with Alice now. The wrong fucking thing to say. So uh, he talks about how he wants to divorce Arena, And Arena sends him out. And then she, like, kind of claws the furniture and leaves, like, scratch marks on
0: it. Yeah. And so the next day, Oliver talks to Dr. Judd. And he's like, OK, so here are your options. You can annul the marriage because, obviously, there's a lot of stuff happening here that you did not know. And also, they never consummated it. That's true. So it's going to be really easy to annul or what you can do is you can have her institutionalized but in order to do that you have to stay married to her because you have to still have like the power of attorney it's, her. Yeah, it's like
1: illegal to divorce a woman who's institutionalized. Right. That's right.
0: At this point it was yeah. Um so you can't divorce her if that's the case. You have to stay married to her for as long as she's in the and institution.
1: And Alice is a part of this conversation too for some reason. And like there's
0: just a lot of mistakes made here. Dude, he should not involve his new girl in a conversation about how to get rid of his cat <laughs> with her
1: psychiatrist. I
0: know, it's all very inappropriate. Um
1: and so anyway, Ollie is like, "I have to have her institutionalized. Like it's the only thing that's good for her."
0: And Alice is like, "Yeah, do that. Just it's fine. Never divorce her. We'll just hang out, I guess." Yeah. And so they set up an appointment
1: for the doctor to come to the apartment. And Arena is supposed to meet them, but she just doesn't show up. No.
0: And okay. so, eventually, Alice and Oliver are like, well, we got to, like, go to work. Like, we have jobs. We have to go be marine engineers or whatever the fuck they are.
1: So they go to leave the apartment. But the psychiatrist, like, stashes his cane in the couch. And as they're leaving, he's like, oh, I forgot my cane. Can I wear the key to go back up? So they give him the key, and he goes up. He grabs his cane. But he leaves the door to the apartment unlocked. Right. So Ollie and Alice go back to their office that night, and they're doing some work, and there are these really cool, like, light-up tables, because they are, like, engineers. Yeah. And they get another one of those phone calls where, and they answer, and just no one says anything. Right. So they're getting ready to leave, and they notice the door that was previously open is now closed.
0: And then they're, they notice that there is a cat, a panther, in there with them, and they... You don't really see the panther, but you hear it snarling, and you sort of see its shadow, like, moving through, like, like you said, like, they have all these light-up tables, but the rest of the room is dark. So it sort of corners them, and they have to, like, he's protecting Alice the whole time with his body. Yeah, like, he grabs,
1: her. like, a weird, a not very well-made cross, just, like, off the wall no, and it. No, it's holds not a cross,
0: it. it's a, um... It's like a right-angle
1: oh, instrument. Oh, well, yeah. it's also kind of a cross. It definitely that has, makes like, an intentional why, cross aspect. That makes sense why the proportions are so messed up. Yeah, though. but it's hanging on the wall like a crucifix, which is interesting. Yeah, and so he tells them to, like, leave them in peace, and he now thinks it's Arena, Which, like, good job.
0: Yeah, and so they get out, but they notice on the way out that it smells like her perfume, which is something that they commented on before, like, a couple characters, I think, Both of them comment separately about what her perfume smells like. In the
1: beginning, there's a whole conversation about how she wears too much because she just loves it, and she lives alone, and she doesn't know if it's too much. Right. Um, But anyway, Alice then calls Dr. Judd to warn him to stay away from Arena, but he, like, hangs up on her when Arena like, walks in the door to her apartment.
0: Yeah, and then for some reason, he's like, here's how I'll fix this situation. And then he kisses her. Yeah, well, he's like, "Here's you need to, like, find out that, like, when you are actually aroused by a kiss, you won't actually turn into a panther
1: i like how he thinks that him forcing himself on her is going to arouse her
0: yeah instead she turns into a panther and she mauls him to death good job arena hell yeah i think that she's supposed to be into it in the movie but they don't make it seem like that at all i hope not i think that she is supposed to be like oh i'm into it now that he's kissing me but it's still like very 1940s gross and creepy where it's like he she probably wouldn't be no she probably would not want no he's
1: super creepy yeah but anyway she attacks him in panther form but his cane has a secret sword thing inside of it and he stabs her with it and she runs away
0: yeah he's still dead though
1: yeah you know he's hella dead
0: and so they get there and um they're like oh shit she's been here he's dead we gotta go and she goes to the zoo. Yep, to see that panther again. She lets him out of the cage. She opens the cage up,
1: and it just runs away. It, like runs in the traffic, but it
0: like jumps at her on the way yeah, down. It And does. I think you don't really see this. This scene is. I mean, it's 1940 special effects, so it's not very well done. I think it's supposed to kill her as it jumps.
1: I think she was already kind of dying because she'd yeah. been stabbed with this giant sword too.
0: Yeah, but so. It runs into traffic, and then it gets killed by a car. Yeah, you
1: just hear this giant car crash. You don't actually see it happen. And so they run
0: out to go see what's happening, and they see the dead panther um, in the street, but they also notice that next to the panther's cage, there's another dead panther.
1: And so they go over, and Oliver and Alice find this dead panther there, and Oliver just looks at Alice and said, she never lied to us. And that's
0: the end. Yeah. And this poor woman had to die as a panther because this stupid boy couldn't leave her alone.
1: Because... Yeah. Arena dies because she has a guy who said that he liked her the way she was and then was like, actually, never mind. I'm in love with this other woman because you won't kiss me. And then had a psychiatrist who, like, forced himself on her and kissed her against her will. And then she died because these people were just treating her horribly. It's Arena garbage. did nothing wrong. She told everyone from the beginning she was a cat. No one believed her. Exactly. Believe it when people tell you they're a cat. Yes. That is definitely the moral of this movie.
0: <laughs> I think so. So we've talked a little bit about Val Lewton um, in this episode already, uh, and he got a start at MGM, but he wasn't always a producer, right? So he started out at MGM, and he was actually writing novelizations of popular movies. So he has a like heavy writing background, and I believe that Cat People is actually a adaptation of a short story that he wrote. Oh, cool! Yeah. So he wrote all these books, and he worked, you know, at MGM. Um, doing some uncredited writing work. He actually worked on Gone with the Wind. And he thought that it was going to be, he thought that David O. was stupid to try to, edit, to try to adapt it. He thought that it was going to be a huge flop and that it was completely unfilmable. Huh. And it is one of the highest grossing movies of all time. I think that some of the superhero movies have like kind of pushed oh, yeah, it out. god! But, like, some of these Marvel
1: movies have made like obscene amounts of money. But like
0: adjusted for inflation, it's an enormous amount of money. Like it made so much fucking money. Good for it, And FN. he was like, this will never catch on. <laughs> so clearly Valut knew some things and not necessarily others. Yeah. Um, but then he went to RKO and he was made the head of um, their horror unit in actually in 1942. So the same year that this came out. So like I said, this was the first horror movie that he produced. And he had three rules for making a movie. First, as I mentioned earlier, it had to be under $150,000 for budget. And this one was 134. dollars Yes. Second, it had to be under 75 minutes long, and this one was, I think, like 72 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was surprised at how short it it's was. Really short, yeah. And the third one was that his supervisors had to come up with the titles. Um, I want to say kudos to whoever came up with Cat People. He made the other movies that he made, because he he actually worked with Turner on a lot of these and all of them have like insane names like Cat People, The Leopard Man, or I Walked With a Zombie. (laughs) Like none of them are traditional movie names. Yeah, they're all very like, it's what it says it is. Like, this is the movie. It's about cat people. To be fair, though, this movie was about cat person. That's true. But I guess the cat people were like the history of her. She came from a long line of cat people. I get
1: that. Well, I guess you could say that Ollie was a cat person because he's pretty into cats.
0: That's true. And I would say Alice is a cat person. She really loved John Paul James. That's true. John Paul Jones. Her cat with her man name.
1: Yeah, great name. (laughs) I love it. So I guess they're all cat people. They
0: kind of are. It's like a double entendre. Yeah. I
1: dig it. I like the title more now than I did five minutes ago. It's
0: fun. And so he, like I said, he worked with Jacques Tournaire a lot. And um, Jacques Tournaire is actually a second generation filmmaker. His father, Maurice Tournaire, also was a director. Um, I think he was a producer as well, and he worked at MGM at the beginning of his career. I guess they had like a falling out and stuff. I think he actually started in France and then came over to work for MGM. And then his son followed in his footsteps and started out also at MGM, which a lot of people did because it was like the big It was the place, big and early on, you know, it was very successful. So Jacques Tournai went to MGM. He was eventually dropped by MGM, and then he went over to RKO, which is where Val Luton was working. Um, and he and Val Luton worked on a bunch of these projects together. Uh, So they also made um, another movie called The Leopard Man, I think the year after this. Which sounds like it should just be a Cat People ripoff, but the twist in that is that actually it's a serial killer who's killing people in a way that mimics a leopard mauling someone.
1: There actually was a Cat People sequel. There was, that's true. I did not feel like paying another $3 to watch it that same night.
0: Yeah, no, it's called The Secret of the Cat People, I think. Something like that. And then there's like a remake in 82, I think.
1: Which I was really tempted to watch because it's like a sexier, darker version of Cat People. Yeah,
0: this is actually a pretty chaste movie for something that's like technically about female sexuality. But
1: then I read like the Wikipedia description where it's like she meets her long lost brother who then also like tries to hit on her and it's like weird. oh yeah
0: they like he wants to like reproduce with her so that they can keep the cat genes strong it's some
1: weird shit i i felt like i'm good
0: for yeah, now it seems strange. this movie was so good i don't feel like i need to watch the 1980s version yeah it's some you know maybe someday if i'm bored i'll check it out but i'm, I'm okay sounds good Um, And they also did a movie called I Walked with a Zombie.
1: Which we mentioned, I believe, in our episode on Night of the Living Dead because it was one of the movies that influenced it.
0: Yes. I know that we definitely talked about White Zombie a little bit. I think that we talked about I Walked with a Zombie as well. Um, They're very similar as far as I can tell. And I got them a little bit confused because I watched part of White Zombie. And when I was reading about I Walked with a Zombie, I was like, did I watch this one too? And I didn't. But it's similar in that it's about... um, A an American person, I believe, going down to the Caribbean and um, getting involved in like voodoo and this sort of like foreign magic. And it has like these scandalous repercussions, which is actually really, really similar to what happens in this movie is that like her whole Serbian history and like the magic and religion that she's from is sort of portrayed as evil and dark and spooky and scary, um, which is really in line with where horror was at this point in time. To be honest with you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so we talked a lot about in our Frankenstein episode about how horror in the U.S. originally started like on foreign soil. And it's becoming closer and closer as with the different generations of horror. And this is a time where it's still someone who is foreign, but they're bringing it onto U.S. soil for the first time.
0: Right, so it's interesting because we actually also talked about this, I think, a little bit when we were talking about The Hills Have Eyes. And probably
1: also when we talked about The Purge. Yes, I
0: probably as well. So the way that it started out was in the 40s, like you said, all of the horror tended to be sort of set in this, not even like a specific place in Europe. It was sort of this vague European you had, old-timey castle. Yeah, like
1: you had Frankenstein. Dracula. Yeah.
0: yeah. Cabinet of Dr. Caligar. Like all of this sort of like very, yeah, sort of a, a, a surreal Europe.
1: There's this, like, creepy, spooky thing happening far, far away. Right.
0: It would never come over here and affect us over here. Well, everyone was apparently
1: so goddamn happy all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. In America, you've never felt unhappy. So why would there be horror over here? And then this kind of started to shift over to American soil, and you have things like... um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which happens in California, Psycho actually also happens in California. Honestly,
1: everything that happens in Hitchcock movies, for the most part, happens yeah. in the U.S. and a lot of them are pretty creepy.
0: That's true, um, but it's still sort of at arm's length. Like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's happening to Americans, but it's um, it's from outer space. Like it's it, you know, it's another
1: and in species. Rear Window, you like this guy is watching from his apartment, but he's watching everything happen in another apartment. Right.
0: I would say Psycho is probably the most like close to home.
1: But even then... But it's it's... not
0: her family that's doing it.
1: And it's not her home. It's a motel.
0: Right. It's something she happens to stumble across. It's not, like, someone she knows personally. Like, there's a family element of it, and, like, they are a fucked up family. Like, but really, Norman is a fucked up guy. We don't see his mother.
1: Yeah, you could say that there's a family, but really, it's a guy and a skeleton.
0: Yeah. And then we see... Actually, this movie made me think of The Omen a lot. um, Because that's one that was kind of pointed to in some of the articles that I read about when I was reading about like horror coming to American soil, is that in The Omen, we see this infiltrate the family unit through the adoption of a European child. So it's That's this true. all-American family who they take on this child from Europe. They don't know it. They think it's their... Bio- well, the mom thinks it's her biological child.
1: Aren't they still living abroad? They're not living in the U.S. Right. They're also
0: not in the U.S. They're elsewhere and they are, like, attacked by this thing that comes into their home and, like, infiltrates them. Yeah. While they're vulnerable. Um. Or in, like, Rosemary's Baby, which actually does take place on American soil, but it's still, like... That I, that I guess would be like the biggest creep into like your own child being like an actual villain instead of it being something else that like but it's
1: also not something that in. like comes from within the family there's still an external unit that is putting the pressure in so it's the downstairs neighbors that's true. and then I guess later on the husband right but they're the ones who are forcing this to happen It's not something that's like coming from within the family
0: yeah and then of course later on it completely overtakes the family unit and that's when you see things like the hills have eyes or the texas chainsaw massacre where this family unit has just been like completely corrupted from the inside out like it's a mockery of what a family is supposed to be and it's like on american soil because of american actions in a lot of times like mm-hmm. um in the hills have eyes they're all fucked up because of the american government running nuclear tests in their area and in um texas chainsaw massacre it's you know, they were corrupted because, you know, capitalism shut down the plant. The them.
1: nuclear test, I think that's only in the new Hills Have Eyes. The original one was just like, oh, right. That was just had a wife and went and run into the mountains incest. and just, yeah, lots of incest. Yeah.
0: Um, so this is sort of like an early point between kind of almost like an earlier version of what happens in the omen.
1: And then it's interesting because after that, you get horror that goes back on the foreign soil of things like Hostel.
0: That's true. Yeah, you kind of get back into that taking the American out of their element and putting them somewhere else. Same with the grudge. That's also true. Yeah. So this is sort of like a halfway point earlier on where it's in America, most of the characters are American, but the threat that's coming in is this sort of exotic, unfamiliar, other That has a different history and culture and it's something they don't understand. And honestly, they don't try to understand.
1: Also, I just want to note that this is um, pre-US's involvement in World War II, but like not very long before. That's true. And so like an Eastern European woman coming over, which is something that was happening a lot because there were a lot of Eastern European people who were migrating to Canada and the US around this time. And it's like, but what if one of them was secretly a cat?
0: Right. And, like, this person is gonna come over here and, like, you don't know what her history is, you don't know what happens over in Serbia, you don't know if your cat wife will ever be able to be a normal American wife who has sex with her husband and doesn't claw him to death.
1: And then the nice American guy, and who marries the nice Eastern European immigrant, is actually like, oh no, I wish I had married this beautiful blonde American woman instead. And then the Serbian immigrant dies.
0: And we're like, this is the best possible ending for this relationship.
1: Yo, I like this movie less now than I did ten minutes ago.
0: I think if you look at it as a tragedy about her, I do it's think a it. it like, that's I think how I read it. Yeah,
1: I did read it more like that. I think there probably was a message of like anti-immigration, tbh, <laughs> because USA. I
0: I don't even know if it would have been intentional. I think that at it this might point not have time, been. It's Just sort of. You know, what's a creepy, strange element? You know, someone with a mythological history. And we still see it. I mean, we still see the, like, the demonization of Roma people in horror, the, like, quote-unquote, gypsy curse concept. Especially in Drag Me to Hell. Yes. And also in a lot of other movies between this and that. I mean, I watched the movie Thinner, which is a Stephen King uh, adaptation um, with Tim not too long ago, and it's a very bad. I mean, it's it's like the ultimate example of Stephen King books being very hard to adapt to the screen because it's fucking ludicrous. But um, there's like a, a, a Roma family that is like super heavily demonized, even though objectively the main character kills one of them with his car because he's getting a blowjob from his wife. And so like, he's the bad guy in that situation. But it's this sort of fear of someone whose religion you don't understand um, whose history you aren't aware of, and that you know you that doesn't look like you, that doesn't act like you, that doesn't sound like you. I mean, she has an accent. Nobody else in the movie has an accent. Um, and there's like the, the the concept of worshiping someone who's not, you know, that's not just a mainstream Christian religion. Like they talk about that where they they descended into devil worship and stuff like that.
1: But it was like a nice Christian named King John who came and saved them all.
0: Right. And, I mean, I actually watched Wolfman not long after I watched this um, because I thought there were some similarities that I wanted to check out. Um, dogs and cats are different, Maggie. They are, you know, but I'm a I'm a dog person, so. <laughs> I had to check out Wolfman as well. I'm a cat people. You are a cat people. Um, And it's the same thing. There's, like, a family of, like, Roma people who are, like, um, fortune tellers who live out in the woods and they are pagans and they do like pagan worship, and it's sort of treated as this like creepy, mysterious thing. It's not really, it's
1: kind of like even Hemlock Grove has aspects of that, yeah. as not great as that
0: TV show is.
1: Like, I loved the first season, and yeah. but it wasn't great, but also everyone who had these weird powers were either Romani or from whatever European country the uh vampire people came from I don't even know
0: yeah it's just so easy to take um a basic difference like where you're from what your accent sounds like what you worship and turn it into something that's like you need to be worried about or afraid of or like scared of and it's I think there's just an innate xenophobia that a lot of people have and it comes out a lot in this stuff you know
1: so in addition to this being kind of like a precursor of xenophobia driving horror in movies Mm -hmm. It also was really early on in the idea that, like, you do something sexy and bad, you get killed.
0: Yeah. And this is sort of a weird version because it's not even doing something sexy. It's not even that, it. I mean, okay, this this was released in 42, so she couldn't be like, if I have sex with you, I will kill you. Like, that would never have gotten released in theaters. But she got as close to saying it as she could. Yeah, but she can't even kiss someone. She can't even want to have sex with someone. She can't even feel sexual jealousy about her husband. Without turning into a cat. It's like punishment for even the existence of female sexuality is that you turn into a literal monster who will destroy their lover, you know?
1: And then, I mean, also you have the
0: psychiatrist who, like, assaults her. Yeah.
1: And he dies in punishment for that.
0: Yeah, that was interesting to me. I, I noticed in the outline that you referred to it as, like, she has to be punished and she still has to die because even though she was assaulted, like, it's still viewed as being her fault or whatever. Yep. I think that that probably has more to do with the motion picture production code, which was a whole thing in the 1940s. Um, although I'm, there's definitely elements of sort of victim shaming in that, and they handled that whole scene super weirdly. And I, like I said earlier, I think. Oh, no, there's a
1: thing. ton of victim shaming in it, especially when you talk about how, like, well, it looks like she actually kind of enjoyed it. And it's like. I think
0: she's supposed to. It doesn't look like she does, but I think she's supposed to. Well, <laughs> she didn't. Yeah. Um, but at this point in time, so the motion. Picture production code. Uh, it's also called the Hayes Code. I think we've talked about it before on the show. Um, we like so it was a, a list of rules, and they were typically referred to as the don'ts and be careful. So there was things that you straight up can't show. Um, like you couldn't show actual sex. You couldn't show kissing for more than a certain period of t- like a certain length of time, which is why you have those weird kisses where people like kiss for two seconds and then talk and then kiss for two seconds and then talk. But one of the things was that you can't. So murder is on the don't. Or the Be Carefuls list. You can show it, but you have to be very careful that you don't portray it in a good light. So she murdered someone. Uh, Right? So she can't live. Because it has to be punished. Interesting. So her punishment for killing someone, and probably also in their weird view for committing adultery, even though her husband was actively leaving her for another woman that he And also like it was against her will. Yeah is that she has to die. So she's the tragic character. She has to die. And this is actually, this is a little bit of a digression. Um, but this is where the, like, the barrier gaze trope comes from, where, like, for a long time, there could be, like, gays or lesbians in something, but then they would always, like, die tragically at the end. And it's still something that's, like, happening in TV shows now where it's, like, just give someone a happy ending instead of making them, like, die in each other's arms or whatever, like a Willow and um, Tara. Tara situation. But where that came from was that you could not have gay or lesbian characters even if they were like fairly coded without having them be punished at the end so in like a lot of pulp books and movies and stuff like that you would have these characters who are clearly supposed to be gay or lesbians having their story and then at the end to like make it like oh it's okay like we can still show it in theaters they would have to die so
1: i mean alice is basically saying i will adulter with you
0: yeah but it's different because his wife is just the worst. And they don't do anything. They're just They love. don't do anything. Well, they're planning to. Yeah, but they're in this pure and beautiful love.
1: You know? Eh.
0: It's bullshit, but since they don't actually do anything, I honestly it would have been head, much happier if every single person died in this movie. They don't even kiss, do they? No, they don't. I don't think they ever do. So that's fine. They can. But she murders somebody, so she has to die.
1: I think they all should have died. I think and... that Arena should have killed everyone and then died.
0: <laughs> so you would have liked this if it ended like Carrie? Or like, yeah. But like, instead of... Her being, like, on, like... Bloody and setting things on yeah. fire. It's just her as a giant panther just mauling people today. It's my dream movie. Perfect. I love it. We should remake it and have that happen at the end.
1: Um, except Ollie is going to be a furry who's really into being scratched.
0: Oh, I'm done with being a human. <laughs> I will be leaving. Um... And you could also view Dr. Judd's death as (laughs) him being punished as well. Right, because he oversteps and he kisses a woman who does not actually seem to be remotely interested in. Because he kind of puts some moves on her earlier and she's like, nope.
1: Yeah, there's a scene where she's like walking away and I was taking notes during the movie and Paul's like, ugh. And I was like, what just (laughs) happened? He's like, he gave her this really gross like up-down look. And I was like, oh God. He's a creep. It's going to be one of those movies.
0: And like she is, he's the only person that she like just loses it and murders. Like, Earlier, she clearly wants to kill um, Alice, but she doesn't, because even though she's very jealous of her, she knows that, like, Alice hasn't technically done anything. That's true. Her husband, she still loves her husband, and Alice is important to her husband, and I kind of interpret her as, like, she knows it would be wrong to kill this woman who hasn't actually done anything to her yet, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess by the point that she kills Dr. Judd, Alice has also actively stolen her husband. True. True. But
1: And she, she like, to be fair, Ollie never should have married a woman who thought she was a cat. But I think we've already hit that sure. point home pretty well.
0: <laughs> um, but so in that way, we can almost kind of view her mauling him to death as, like, an act of self-preservation. Like, she can't really turn it on and off. So it's sort of just, like, she gets kissed so she goes crazy. But still, he kind of gets what's coming to him. Yeah. Um, and, oh, actually, speaking of her not wanting to have sex with her husband and also not wanting to have sex with Ollie or with um Dr. Judd. I read a really interesting interpretation of uh her cat otherness as a metaphor for lesbianism. Ooh. Cause for one thing, she never shows actual sexual interest in anyone ever. That's true. Even though she she talks about she can't kiss, you know, she can't like she can't do these things, but she also never really seems tortured by it. Like she seems fine to marry Oliver and just, like, spend the rest of her life living she does. a celibate life together.
1: She does follow Alice down to the pool.
0: That's true. And also you could kind of look at her marrying Oliver as being like, great, I can get married and have this, like, normal thing because it's 1942. And this guy won't try to make me have sex with him. Like, he won't try to do all that stuff. He understands what it's like. It's okay. I don't have to do that. And then he turns around and does it anyway. And uh, the article that I, I read um, pointed out the weird, tense interaction with the woman that she recognized at the wedding, which they never specify who that woman actually is. That's true. She calls her moya sestra, which could mean sister. Could I mean, it does mean literally sister, but it could also just mean, you know, they're from the same village. I assume they're not literally My sisters. My
1: interpretation was the idea that she just, like, recognized this cat aspect in her and, which is also like, called, called it out.
0: out. And maybe that's a gaydar situation. That's true. She knows, you know. She can tell and she's very embarrassed that her husband might catch on and that all of these other people at this wedding. She was also a
1: single woman eating at this restaurant by herself.
0: She was. And also, leading up to this conversation, I read this article on horrorhomeroom.com. It's called uh, Cat People Coding Lesbianism via Otherness. And I mentioned this when we were talking about this scene. Someone during this conversation refers to her as odd. And in, like, 1942 slang... Apparently, that was, like, within a queer audience, like, in the 40s. It would be basically the same as, like, referring to a gay man as a sissy. Like, people watching would have known that that was, like, kind of an implication that she might be a lesbian. Oh, that's interesting. So, I don't know if that's intentional. And it's obviously hard to tell now because this was, you know, seventy years ago. Oh,
1: God, it was. Jesus.
0: But I think that's a really interesting interpretation. And it's also that, like, weird... Like, there's, she feels shame about her sexuality. There's something in her that, like, she really cannot safely express.
1: There's something in her trying to get out that she's scared to show to other people. And when she takes it to a psychiatrist, he's like, no, there's a
0: trauma that caused this. And she's like, no, this is how I am. You'll feel better if you just kiss a man. You just haven't kissed a man, so you don't know that that's not how it actually is. I'm
1: liking this movie more than I did after the xenophobia conversation.
0: It's very interesting. And that's the thing is that, like, times have changed so much that you can look at it from all of these different angles. I really
1: enjoyed this movie. I liked it
0: a lot. I thought it was really cool.
1: And I do think that Arena's never really painted as a true bad guy, which I appreciate.
0: No, she's definitely, like, one of the reluctant horror villains, which is a thing that we see a lot at this time period as well. She just wants...
1: To be happy and have a nice husband, and not turn into a cat
0: and kill people. Right, and everyone around her like puts her in a situation where she can't be herself, which is a cat woman who wants to murder her husband. No, no, she doesn't want to murder her husband. She the doesn't cat side want her wants to. to her um, but yeah, I mean, you see this sort of like, you know, she wants, like you said, she wants to be good. She wants to have all this normal stuff, but she can't because of an animal aspect. It made me think of Wolfman, which is why I watch Wolfman. Because it's the same thing as, like, Lon Chaney Jr. I've never seen Wolfman. It's fine. It's free, I think. Cool. Like, it's okay. Um, but it's the same thing. as like this guy ultimately gets sort of turned into a wolfman against his will. And then he is filled with the compulsion to kill on the, you know, full moon. He's just a werewolf. Um, or in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, where it's like something happens and then you can't control this aspect of your personality anymore. And it comes out from time to time. Or even the Hulk. It's true. it's a different emotion, but it still turns you into a dangerous monster. And the Hulk came out in the 40s, I think, right? Uh, It might have been the 60s. I'm not 100% sure.
1: No, you're right. It was the uh, 60s that the Hulk came out. I just uh, knew that some of the other comics, like uh, the detective comics with Batman and action comics with Superman, I think, came out in the 30s or 40s.
0: I honestly wouldn't be surprised if there are villains similar to the Hulk who, like, aren't bad people but have a bad thing that happens to them. Like, even um, Green Goblin, right? He's not bad all the time. So it's something you see a lot at this point in time. Also, (laughs) the sexual side of it made me think of Buffy.
1: Oh my god,
0: Angel. Angel. Because, like, they have to have this weird, chaste relationship and it's like, realistically, that doesn't work for most people.
1: No. Like,
0: if it works for you, great, but, like...
1: To be fair, it doesn't work for them. He becomes evil, he kills a ton of people, and then he leaves town to not be in a relationship with her again.
0: Right, and then they can never... They try to be together again, but then like every time something sexy comes up, they're like, well, we can't do that because you will murder all of my friends again.
1: Spoilers if you haven't seen this 20 plus year old show.
0: I'm not sorry at all. Go watch it. Yeah. What's What's wrong with you? you? (laughs) Um... And I also thought the the animals distrusting. This is kind of unrelated to the other stuff that we were talking about. But when all the animals freaked out at her in the uh, the pet shop, I was reminded of the omen when the baboons attacked the car.
1: The baboon. I actually
0: saw a lot of the omen in this movie, which I thought was really interesting.
1: But like, if it was an evil wife instead of an evil baby.
0: Right, and it's totally different. Obviously, the stakes are a little bit lower from like the devil taking over the world versus just like your wife killing you. But like, um, but in Terminator, the dogs don't like the Terminators. I've
1: only seen two.
0: I don't remember which Terminator. I mean, it, it might have been the first one. The dogs don't like him. And I was actually thinking because I watched extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. Haven't seen uh, that yet. It's fine. I thought it would be more interesting than it was. Oh, that's disappointing. Well, here's the thing: Zac Efron is great. Zach Efron is really good as Ted Bundy. He Ooh. looks like him. He acts like him. He does that, like, weird, I'm trying to be charming, but I'm also just a huge fucking creep thing. It's an interesting story. Um, there are moments that I really liked and found very chilling. There's one towards the end that I found really interesting. But and it's always difficult with those movies. Like, I like that they try to tell it from his girlfriend's perspective as opposed to just the sort of standard storyline. Eh, eh, it was okay. But there's a scene where they're talking about adopting a dog, and so they go to a, like, a rescue place. And the dog that they meet just, like, loses it when it sees him. Like, it just starts barking and snapping and growling, and, like, they can't figure out why it hates him so much. I feel like it's a thing. It is. Yeah, I feel like it shows up in a lot of movies, and I kind of wish that I could point out more of them now, but...
1: My cats hate old men.
0: Good. And uh, I, I also thought it was very interesting that, like, instead of cats being, like, chill with her because they can tell she's another cat, they're like, something's wrong with you. I don't like you.
1: You your cats don't actually necessarily always get along really well with other cats. That's
0: also true. It's
1: cat fact number two.
0: Cat fact two. Do you have any other cat facts before we leave for this evening? I have so many
1: cat facts, Do you want to
0: bash out a couple of them real quick?
1: Yeah. Okay. Um did you know that cats have little spikes on their tongues? So that way when they clean themselves, it will uh, pick up dirt and debris and all that jazz?
0: I did know that because your cats have licked me
1: before and it feels It kind of really hurts. Um, and then Alexa provided us with a cat fact earlier. And yes. she told us that cats, um, their main temperature is between 38 and 39 degrees.
0: Celsius. Celsius. Okay. A group of kittens is called a Kindle. Alexa coming in hot with the cat facts. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> uh, thank you <laughs> okay well I think that now that uh, your robot is listening to us we should so what are we doing uh, next week May?
1: yeah um, we're gonna let the cat out of the bag and uh, we're gonna be doing the conjuring
0: yay we're bringing it uh, to I would say this is kind of like the dominating force in the horror field right now right?
1: one of them yeah James Wan
0: is like making a name for himself
1: yeah, I mean, it's post um, Insidious, because Insidious seems like it might be done for now. I, I don't think know. So.
0: But I mean, The Conjuring, aside from just like the core movies themselves, like the actual Conjuring movie, there's like a universe around That's
1: them. true. There is a little uh, cinematic universe. Apparently,
0: La Llorona is a part of that, because there's like an overlapping character. Oh, yikes. Um, there's all the Annabelle movies, there's The Nun. So there's a lot. But uh, yeah, so next week we're going to be talking about uh, The Conjuring. We're very excited.
1: Super excited. I saw this in theaters.
0: Okay, well, I think, and I always say this and then I never follow through, but one of my goals for this weekend is to try to sit down and watch as many of The Conjuring Universe movies as I can. No,
1: I think you saying watch as many as I can is a very accurate goal. Do you you're think the watch- last
0: time saying I'm going to watch all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies may have been overshooting? I think that was... <laughs>
1: Um, especially because you've already seen, like, a good amount I've of them. I've seen many of them.
0: But I, I haven't seen that many of The Conjuring. I've seen um the two Annabelles that are currently out. I know there's another one coming out. Uh, I definitely think that the, like, Annabelle... I don't think it's Annabelle Origins, but the, whatever the, like, prequel... Is that was way, Annabelle Origins. Way better than the original movie.
1: Um, I have not seen either Annabelle movie. I have not seen The Conjuring 2. I have not seen The Nun. I have seen... The Conjuring.
0: All right. Well, then we are going to see The Conjuring next time. Um, We look forward to talking to you guys about that. Um, And in the meantime, uh, respect your partner's boundaries. um, Adopt some cats. Marry someone who only wants to kiss you and doesn't think that they're going to turn into a cat if that's something that's important to you.
1: If animals freak out the second that your SO steps into a room, get a new one.
0: Just, just, Chances are there's something wrong. Yeah, there might be a problem. Just don't propose to somebody two weeks. We're giving you a lot of advice. And I think that you know most of it. But like, just to, you know, keep watch it Watch this movie and then don't do a thing
1: that anyone in this movie does.
0: Yeah, except for Irena. If a man who you don't want to kiss kisses you, maul him to death. That's not true. And if you do it, it's not our fault that you did it. But most importantly, turn into a cat whenever you can. Yes. And also drive safe. Uh, we love you. And we'll see you soon. Mwah.